When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Clubs, clubs, clubs. The Different Knock, an Arsenal podcast. This new contract here at Arsenal, but what made you so sure that this was the best place and this was the right decision for you? It's Arsenal, you know. Come on, it's Arsenal. Welcome back to Odyssey, an Arsenal podcast with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friends, Bradley Adams, George V. <laughs> no, you needed to. You needed to do an English accent. <laughs> yes, yeah, see, 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 I got to work on that. I got, I got to work on that in the shower. <laughs> in the shower. Yeah. Do you remember when um, uh, there was that beef about, because uh, Rory Talksport, this is the most Arsenal online community story of all time. Rory Talksport came out and said that he thought of a new Martin Erdegaard thing in the shower. And then there was loads <laughs> of controversy that he was thinking about players in the shower. <laughs> Did you ever have moments where you're just like, Grow up. We're, we're on a rock in infinite space. And that's what, <laughs> and you have about 90 years on this planet. <laughs> to to occupy yourself if you're lucky i think that's, and yeah, that's what good, we're doing 90s are good innings do you know what i mean do, do you think that's world culture 90. where you where you got upset about shower thinking at this point <laughs> have we gone too far i think i wonder <laughs> i wonder if it's just the idea of like we're all able to share our thoughts at all times and sometimes <laughs> you don't need to share your thoughts <laughs> all right elon that's your new thing on, on that's why we're on a podcast <laughs> Uh, well, three white dudes on a podcast wait we all, yeah, we're all straight as well three straight white dudes on a podcast there needs to be more of those welcome back to the different Where's knock the hire, Alex? <laughs> sorry welcome back to the different knock an arsenal podcast how are you hope you're doing well um so the reaction to the last podcast is quite interesting uh, quite a few people got in touch with me and said they were surprised by the negativity. Oh, I'm toxic. I'm negative. No, they, were, they were surprised by the, the negative response to to the game last time, which I completely understand. Um, so I thought what I'd do to start off this pod and maybe to take up the whole first half of this pod mm. is maybe a good way to approach this is to go through two positives, two, and one area of growth potential. Mm. <laughs> AOG. That is, that is who's gonna pick Kai Havertz? That is <laughs> teacher speak, up. isn't it? That's like that. What's that like? HR, like HR have come along and said, "You've got an area of growth potential in your in your work." Um, we can see, you know, for example, turning up is an area of growth potential. <laughs> Doing the work is an area of growth potential. Um, so I thought it'd be a good place to start. So, uh, Brad, I'll come to you first. From these opening four games. Uh, and listeners, as always, interested to hear your thoughts, so please tweet us in at Diffnock and please uh, let us know on the Discord, etc., etc. Um, what are your two areas of positivity and your one area of growth potential? Take it away, Bradley Adams. Thank you very much. My, my first area of kind of positivity that I think has been a, br- a, br- a brilliant thing about the start of this season is we're winning games and in essence, nobody really knows what the fuck they're doing yet. And that is that is the sign of, of of one a good unit and and the fact that we have good players and two that's that's what City do, you know when they try this new new formation that Pep will get heralded for even though 
manager A over here has done it about six months previous and manager B over there did it four years ago, but it's Pep. And so it's in the, it's in the mainstream and he created it. That's a, it's a real positive that I think that we've got players. And, and if you think about the whole 11 in, in partnerships and pods, you know, the first three games of the season, the two centre-backs hadn't played together as centre-backs. Uh, that whole right-hand side hadn't played together as a pod. The same with the left-hand side. Um, I think it's a real positive that we've managed to get away relatively unscathed bar a kind of lucky Fulham result. And if you look at the numbers for that Fulham game, we were we were terribly unlucky to lose it. I think that that's a real point of positive that we've we've kind of been able to get through this first stint whilst, you know, injuries have been happening. We've been having to get people back to full fitness and we've come away with it after playing, you know, what is one of the highest emotional impact games of the season, Man United, relatively unscathed. Um, my my second positive is that is we all wanted last season the manager to innovate and to be experimental. And now he's doing it. We're all feeling I know. And as much as I I might not see the logic behind some of the innovations, and I think that if we had a a full 11, uh, sorry, a full squad fitness, you know, we wouldn't be seeing party at right back. I don't think that's something that he's gone. That is the thing that's going to win us the league. That's really the thing that I'm going to tinker with this season. But I think it's a real positive that we have a manager who can, who's yet to react to certain frailties within the system that he's kind of hodgepodge together, but has been able to look at the talent that he has and goes, I've got a system that I, that I think works for this talent that's completely different. It's going to have some teething pains. And borne out statistically, we have been the better side in every single game we've played. We've been unlucky not to take maximum points. Uh, we've allowed, we've scored eight goals from roughly eight XG. We've conceded four goals from 3.52 XG. So, you know, teams are running quite hot against us and, and we're kind of running at average. So I think that's a big, big positive that he's doing the things that we would have expected him to do. And he's he's doing them to kind of a, a real quality level. Like we have battered these teams. The only team that I don't think that we've battered was the United game. And that came with its own problems. And, you know, United are a team that have spent a lot of money with which we'll probably come on to later and whatever. And they've got a lot of quality in certain dribs and drabs. So I think that's a real positive. And my one negative is... No, it's not a negative. It's not, not a negative. negative. It's point an of area it- of growth potential. I'm going to say the patience that we need to to show as a fan base towards what we expect from a certain German from Chelsea when it comes to his kind of on-the-ball prowess at the moment. This is a guy who looks shot of confidence and absolutely devoid. You know, he, he especially, you know, I, a confident player doesn't air kick that moment because they don't snatch at it. And you can see it in certain actions and there's certain things. We always knew that there were going to be teething problems. Having a player who'd spent three seasons playing under four managers, all of which had turbulent times at Chelsea, playing as a centre forward. We're asking him to do a completely different role with completely different automations, with completely different passing networks. And a lot of this is borne out in moments that we've seen. I think that that United goal that they score doesn't happen 
if you have somebody who's been playing as a central midfielder for their whole career playing in that role because they know that a really dangerous pass to play is straight across the box to your other eight, which is why it tends to be less of a passing network that you see in passing maps. And it's it's a real, we just have to be patient and understand that I know we've spent a lot of money and I have my own reservations about the deal in the sense of I think it was a lot of money to spend when there was a lot of quality at home. But there's obviously a great player in there. The man has racked up 1.9 XG in four games and hasn't scored. That speaks of a confidence problem because at, at some point it's going to be luck. Do you know what I mean? At some point yeah. you're going to get the luck. At some point you're going to. I, I can hit. I can hear people say using that the other way around, but I, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I would say my two areas of positivity is firstly teams have showed us a lot of respect. A lot of respect. Packing the middle, forcing us wide. I think teams are setting up, trying to stop us more than you know anything else really. And I think that's a, you know that's that's an air of respect. I think we're gaining a status in the league. I I, I said yesterday uh, somewhere I can't remember where it was, but I was listening to Mark Goldbridge, and he said something along the lines of, "This wouldn't happen at Arsenal. This wouldn't happen at City. This wouldn't happen at Liverpool." Arteta wouldn't allow this. Klopp wouldn't allow this. Pep wouldn't allow this. And I thought that's interesting because we've moved in, you know, just one person. But I do think that's representative of a wider thing. We've moved into a different, almost slightly a different category of of a, of a club at the moment. I think we are in that category of the of the City Liverpool thing, and I think that's really encouraging. And I think we are also seeing that on the pitch, which is which is really exciting. My second big positive is we've had two. We've had. A number of players, so I think, have performed really, really well in these first four games, and I appreciate that. You know, the way we've gone about it isn't exactly perfect, and there's, you know, there's there are issues in in, in certain things. But I'm I'm looking at specifically two, uh, well, three guys um, yeah, towards the, the the rear of our pitch: uh, William Saliba, Declan Rice, and Ben White, who I think have all been fantastic in these opening four games. Declan Rice, obviously, in terms of the the price tag, the expectation, what he did against City, what he did against United, and you know the way he's adapted to that six role. Saliba's been terrific. Probably one moment maybe where he's, I felt he's been slightly outpaced or outdone. And Ben White as well. Like I, I don't know whether he gets his full hours enough. This guy is so so good playing as that kind of elbow fullback in the previous game. Playing as more of a three, he can o- occupy different spaces. He can overlap. He's you know, I appreciate he has his demons and, you know, people will talk about the game against Rashford. I don't think it was as bad as people say, but but that's, you know, that's subjective football, right? I think Ben White's been extraordinary. So I think, you know, those three guys deserve a lot of credit. The area of um, liquidate the club. No, no, no. <laughs> liquidate the club. The area of all of the players are shit. Yes. Yeah, the area which completely, yeah, denounces everything I just said. Um, is around, just around game management. I look at how we're approaching the game against United. I look at how we approach the game against Fulham in terms of once we scored that second goal, we kind of kept put t- took our foot off the gas a little bit. I look at how we managed the the refereeing situation against against Crystal Palace, and I'm looking at Nottingham Forest and you know getting done on the breakaway. There are things that feel avoidable. It's not like we're being done by incredible moments of quality or being played through. These are things that feel like they're inside of our control. And I think in in terms of an area of growth potential, I think we still have a way to go in terms of managing games. But yeah, George, go for it. 
Um, so what I'm hearing is you hate the team and yep, mm-hmm. yeah, I hate the manager. I hate Arsenal. I'm actually mm, I don't know Arsenal. if you can see this, but I'm actually wearing a Man City top. <laughs> yeah, this exactly. is actually Man City's uh, third kit from last season. So. <laughs> um, one thing I'd say um, in terms of a positive for the team is I think that the squad um, has showed up this season. And I think that generally speaking, players that we would consider on the periphery of the team have really excelled. And now that could actually be maybe a negative if you really want to get into um, the starters versus the depth. But I think at times last season, we were afraid to trust the options of the squad. And, and that could be something that, you know, Mikel is being open to. We've seen the experimentation, but I would argue even one of our best players to start this last four games has been Eddie and Kedia. And I think that the uh, level of performance that he's shown has been phenomenal. Players like Fabio Vieira, who have been a non-existent impact on the squad, have turned up and really forced themselves into conversations about starting this season. Tom Yasu, another player who um, has come back from you know previous injuries and a lot of people are unsure of his place in the team, has come back and has performed to a degree in various um, you know positions quite well. And so... Uh, generally speaking, even Reese Nelson has come back, looked sharp from injury, even in preseason. And so I would say that the squad in general, and if you were to ask maybe who the best player from preseason was, Trossard, another squad, quote, end quote. So I think the depth of the squad has really uh, risen the floor, um, generally, from what we're talking about last year. Um, Another thing that I would say, generally, defensively, we have been quite good this season, bar the individual mistakes. And I'm not just talking about conceded XG, which, you know, of course, we are second. And that is including individual mistakes that I think most of us on the panel here can agree are very easily avoidable. And I think beyond that, we've conceded almost the least amount of corners in the league. That speaks to a level of control. And I don't mean conceding in the sense of losing a goal. I mean, actually giving up a corner. Arsenal have been incredible about controlling this game state, keeping it in our own half and then being able to exert excellent amounts of field tilt, I would say. So to pair with us being very good defensively, I think we've had more control in our matches in terms of possession and being able to operate in the final third of the opposition. Now, an area of growth potential where I hate the team and I don't want to see any more improvement um, would be our wingers are far too wide, mate. Our We have sacrificed a level of um, defensive Uh, control for fluidity. And I think that at times that's okay, but we need to strike the balance better. Keyword being balanced. I don't think the pods in our our team are balanced right now. And and we may need to ask some questions about our interiors. And they're all interconnected. And I think that if we can work to get our wingers closer to goal more frequently, um, I think that we're going to see a level of attacking fluidity return. We're going to see that period of play where unfortunately Saka missed at United, but that was one of the better fluid plays that we've seen this season. And we have it in us. Um, and I think that when we turn it on, we see moments and that could also be born in the goal that we had at one, one at United. But fundamentally, I think attacking fluidity needs to return and you can only do that really with more interchange in the wide areas. So yeah, that, that those would be my uh, two for one. It's funny, isn't it? Because I suppose all of us came into the season and probably people listening as well with a certain level of expectation. How, and this is a, just an open question, so either of you take it. How how matching has those opening four games? Like try and think back to sat there half an hour before Forest, 
like where where the season's about to kick off like do you think if you'd you'd seen these results you'd seen the way we played as well you'd be happy with it because it's a weird one but like it, you can look at it so many different ways you could you could absolutely take take the route of like we've not played to our capacity We've had a serious injury to someone that we brought in. Have we, you know, if Kai Havertz isn't hitting the ground running, is it just one player in it really over the summer if David Rye's not playing, which we'll come to later? Like, you know, you could you could say, you know, we've kind of done it by the skin of our teeth in certain games. Palace was kind of holding on. United was right at the end. Forest, you know, we, we didn't look comfortable appearing in that second half. So you could take that route as well. Or you could go back and say, Ultimately, we've won three games and drawn one. And it doesn't matter how you do it. This is a very tough league. You know, we're still adapting. We're finding those plans A1, A2, A3, whatever like that. This is a league where Champions League teams are getting, like, their stars plucked by Nottingham Forest, who could I- be Ibrahim Sangare has like, gone to ridiculous. Forest. Like, like it's, it's, it's a crazy, competi- it's a crazily competitive league. And for us to be doing this, you know, we have to always remind ourselves of our context. So... I don't know. I just, I don't, I suppose what I'm saying is I don't know how to assess it because it feels like both of those things are true at the same time. And maybe that is the, maybe that's the fullness of the analysis. It, it depends how honest you were with yourself at the start of the season and how honestly you looked at, you know, we didn't have a particularly good end to last season because of a lot of reasons. I think post kind of losing the title, a few heads dropped. We obviously had the Rob Holding, you know, months. <laughs> what else to call it? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, you know, we took out a linchpin of the side. We brought in a player. It really does depend how honest you were with yourselves. I think any, most fans would have wanted maximum points from these four games. And I think that would be a fair, that would have been a, a fair ask to say, on the basis of last season, can you perform to a level to take 12 points from Forest, Fulham, United, and who was the other team? Sorry, Palace. All of those games have their own kind of Story. circumstance around them. The Palace game isn't being talked at as a, you know, as a batten down the hatches, holding on to performance if a referee doesn't ruin the contest. So, uh, you know, there's there's so much around that. But no, I think that for me, I don't think it's matched up to expectation, but I, I think that's a lot due to circumstance i don't think we've played particularly well but i think what i mean by that is i've not been particularly entertained i think we get this idea very confused when we talk about football especially arsenal fans we're so used to seeing this idea of free-flowing attacking football passing round teams and and you know and little dinks around corners and 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 obviously that's that's kind of our identity that's what we want to do but that's not what we're going to be able to do 100% of the time and I think the question about the start of the season is more to do with I don't think we've been entertained to a level so we're saying that we've played badly when statistically we haven't played badly statistically we should have taken 12 points and we had a couple of unlucky moments that's meant that we've we've conceded a couple of dodgy goals that's meant we've dropped two points but I think that if when you look at it like the question like that, right, about a question of entertainment and a question of how well is the system functioning versus are we getting the results we want and how well we're playing, you can't ignore the context 
of one of our main summer signings is out for the season with an ACL. There's a lot of questions around then post that. Should have should we have let Kieran Tierney go out on loan for no loan fee, just covering the wages? Or should we have gone to the market to bring another player in? You know, the, the lack of fitness to Zinchenko at the start of the season, to Gabriel Jesus at the start of the season, people coming back. So I think that there is... Once you take all of those things into consideration, you cannot ask a system or, or a style of play to work perfectly without the pieces to do so. And that's what we haven't had yet. I find it no surprise that uh, in in the Palace game, for example, when Zinchenko comes on, we immediately have control back. Yeah, I, I, I do hear that. And I think we have been missing pieces. And I guess, yeah, I, I do, I do hear that. And I think, you know, what would we... be your one to eleven? There is, there is at least, especially in the first three games of the season, three pieces missing from mm. it, maybe. So, it's. That, I think it's, it's not, a lot yeah. to do with how well it's it's working. And then, okay, we're trying out this plan B, but you probably would want a bit more time for this plan B to kind of get into the bodies of the players and the system before you you know, you just whack it out against United or against any of these teams. I think there's so much circumstance that leads to the whole package. Yeah. And I was going to bring up the City thing of like them playing different ways and finding different ways to win, even when they have De Bruyne out or whoever it is. But the, the, I think the, the difference there is they have they almost have that credit in the bank with Pep. Like Pep has kind of got that credit with the fans to be like, no, no, trust me. And I don't know. <clears throat> I think I think people rate Arteta, obviously. But I think they they saw a plan A go so well, it went wrong, and it's almost like you could argue that the data support. You know, if you were an, if you were a toxic negative fan, you can make an argument that Arteta's fallen short. If you completely ignore the context and completely ignore loads loads and loads of stuff, you can make that argument, and therefore that narrative exists. If that makes sense. So I, I yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard because I, look at I, when he look at when he played Bernardo Silva at left back. That did yeah. not work, and he did no, it for no, like no. five games. Yeah. You know, there's there's so many things around it that I think has led to this this uh, this feeling, even within myself, that we haven't been as good as we can be towards you know at the start of the season. But I think the question we all need to ask ourselves is: Is that because we're not being entertained as much as we were previously? I think you're probably right. Yeah. Rather than the system working. Because comparing it to last by, ev by every metric, the system's working. We've had a couple of individual errors which cannot be held upon the system. You could design the most perfect bridge, for example, and if one builder does not structurally make it sound on his specific task and it collapses, you can't blame the fucking architect for that person's individual mistake. Mikel is the architect of a system that statistically is working. But there have just been moments and errors in each of these That's games. The thing. But it's, it's not, not entertaining, entertaining us. And yeah. maybe we'll go back to the system we had last season, which was more entertaining and more blockbuster. Maybe we won't. Yeah. But I think I think you've hit on something there around entertainment. George, go on. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I'm listening and, I, and I'm kind of, I'm struggling here because I think fans have an unrealistic expectation about what they want. Um, if we were to look at the commentary of last season, for example, a lot of people were telling um, us that generally the transitions are unacceptable. The level of defensive control has been unacceptable since January. And what lost us the league, it was not the 88 goals that we scored. It was the 30 plus goals conceded. Um, and 
a big point of improvement had been, and we were on pods talking about this, that Arsenal were too vertical, right? There were points last season that the game management didn't allow us to have the level of possessional control that we wanted. There were times last season where we felt that Arsenal didn't put their foot on the ball to kill games, quote unquote, with a thousand passes. And then you move on to this season when teams are allowed to do tactics too as well. Like it's not just us that is allowed to create a system. Opposition is able to do it. And opposition now in all these four games, mate, have had a very consistent hexagon central blocking. Every single team has done it. Every team has respected us to the point of now we are the people that, you know, are being referenced upon as one of the best teams in the league. And people are then commenting on, well, is our buildup change? And I'm sure we'll get into the Aaron Ramsdale, which I have a lot of, you know, thoughts on and commentary because the buildup that we're facing is very different. The final third and low block involvement is very, very different. Now, that's not to say Arsenal have been perfect. It's not to say that individuals have been perfect, but I think I'm struggling where I'm looking at games now and I was requested last season, or at least, you know, a lot of people told me that Arsenal needed to gain more possession fundamentally. We've built a system to do that. Arsenal needed to control the number of transitions and number of defensive lapses because that's what lost us the league. Arsenal are doing that. By all accounts, if you actually look at individual numbers about possession, field tilt, goals conceded, corners conceded, the team is better than the start of last season. Which is why I think Brad's point about entertainment is probably right. (laughs) Yeah, well, 100%. But I mean, I think what's one of the best teams in the world? Manchester City. Would you guys say that last season, Arsenal had a less entertaining style of play than Manchester City or a more entertaining style? I would argue i would argue more because i find yeah like i th- I think this is this is the crux of the argument isn't it i think that we're asking for more possession to dominate the game more and i think in essence that's a little bit boring because what is entertainment it's excitement it's drama it's narrative it's all of these things that's why the fucking man united game was probably the most entertaining game we've had so yeah. far this season because we had it was on that, the edge. that it was on the knife's edge. We had that yeah. that Garnacho goal that then got ruled out to then go up the other end and have Declan Rice score the winner and then break away again and score again. This is why I, this is why like we have to divorce the idea of entertainment and and what we want to be visually watching to are we doing our jobs well? Statistically, by every single metric, we are doing our jobs well. No matter if you do it statistically like that, there are always going to be outliers. Look at that that sporting goal against us last season. The XG on that would have been minimal. But in, in that one moment, he hit the ball and he put it in a place that no keeper could have saved it. And it was perfect. That's going to happen sometimes. There are going to be things like that that beat the odds and that go against us, that go against all teams. And that's OK. But we have to understand what it is that we're asking for when we're going, have we been good? Is it have we actually been good? Because yes, we have. It's have we been entertaining? No, it's been a bit of a, bit of a boring start to the season. I don't think we've taken as many risks in our players last season. And that's something I'd love to see come back, especially from our wide talent. But if 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 what we're doing is is going well and we're doing it even without the cogs to do it, then I don't know what we're complaining about. I mean, I think Kai Havertz is emblematic of what you're saying, 
in, in essence. You, you find a player, the expectation is that we're going to find somebody that's a facilitator that can help us in attacking fluidity, somebody that can assist in breaking down low blocks. And what is he excelled in? Out of possession, meeting markers, the very things people were concerned about. And yet it's the thing that, you know, the expectation that is faltered. And I, and I feel like he is very emblematic of the team at the moment. Um, one thing I will say is I, I do think that we're going to see a level of attacking fluidity return with Gabby Jesus um, in general, but also the team, I think, is going to have a little bit more balance moving forward. Um, but we haven't. We have to be honest with ourselves. I think Mikel, in his experimentation, it isn't a plan that we know well enough. And I think part of that anxiety feeds into the entertainment value as well, because we're winning, but we're not winning the way that we know how to win. And we're doing it in a different way. And that can be scary for some people because then they start to project, well, I don't know the value of this new way. I don't know how consistent this new way of playing will get us results. I do know the one previously that gave me the Arsenal points record at the opening start of the season. And that kind of chasm between what maybe you might feel the team needs to do versus what maybe the team is doing at the moment is probably part of the ambiguity that a lot of fans are struggling with at the start of the season. I must, I don't, I do want to end on this though. For me, I do think that there are things that we can improve and I don't think, I don't think it is just like a matter of entertaining for the sake of entertaining. I do think there absolutely is a level of attacking fluidity that we can address. And there's a level of balance in the 11 that I think Mikel can address to make us a little bit better. And and look, that might be with different players, that might be with different roles, but um, we're definitely not um, batting at 100% of the decisions, which I think is something that last preseason we were doing. Every decision we made was perfect. And it wasn't just working well, it was to the highest degree, the highest statistical output. We beat Sevilla, Chelsea. Every single one of our decisions were hits. Now, some of our decisions aren't hits. And a lot of people are questioning that. Yep. I think that's a, a fair assessment and a, and a good kind of status update to start the show. Um, I wanted to talk about the Royal Rams. So I think we don't, don't think we have time before we go to the break. The only thing I wanted to just touch on briefly before we head to the second part of the show. I realized we didn't discuss last time. Four million for Rob Holding. Oh, it's hor- it's I I I do not. I think horrendous. that's horrendous, and I know it kind of got lost in the maelstrom of deadline day. But for a guy with you know, we had a year and an option, so technically, really two years left on his deal. Twenty-seven, so he's not he's not over the hill. Uh, to a double-time FA Cup winner. Yes, okay, he's not right for our system, but he's a homegrown player, Premier League experience. Like that is a bad sale. It may well be that we 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 took a view on it that like Rob Holding had as a good offer. He doesn't want to go to Turkey. He doesn't want to go to other clubs. He wants to go to a good, solid Premier League club. And we went, do you know what, Rob? They're not offering a lot of money, but we want you to go where you want to go. That may be that. And, and I, I would understand that. But from a sales perspective, that's honking. <laughs> I think the thing is, you have to look at it as what what's the maximum you'd have expected us to receive for Holding? Seven and a half? Well, Ten at a push? I actually said, I actually said 15. Because to a to a specific club like a Luton, 
<clears throat> if Luton are, are making a proper effort to stay in the league, which it doesn't look like they're trying to do, right? No, no, no. They're buying championship players, which is why they didn't exactly. buy Rob Holding because Rob Holding will want to stay in the Premier League. That's my point. Is that if if you go to like a you know, a, a Sheffield, you know, okay, they bought Cameron Archer, but other than that, they're not they're not doing that Forest thing where they did last summer. They're spending hundreds of millions to try and stay in the league, right? Or, or previous summer, I can't remember what it was. Um, so what's that noise? <laughs> It's my dog. All oh, right. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was someone uh, doing the nasty. Um, so <laughs> doing the nasty. Doing the nasty. Um, but to a specific club, um, I thought he would be worth that if they were trying to stay. You know, to a to a Burnley if they're trying to stay in the league. But again, that, that they're not trying to play that way. So I, the thing is, you you can see it in isolation and go, that is a poor sale, which I do agree. But then it's that same thing of it's the same question of who should have Arsenal bought in. It's like okay, it's a poor sale. Who should they have sold to? And then you start going through and you're like, well, suppose they're not. And I suppose they don't really. And I suppose they're, and maybe if we wanted to. So but I feel like we do that with every sale. That's what annoys me. I think, I think that's, I think that's the key point in all of that. Right. Like, and I kind of said this before where I felt like generally the sales have been something that fans have looked for a point of improvement on. And I think, when you debate the Rob Holding thing, maybe we could have got an extra 10 million and people would have been like, phenomenal sale. 15 million pounds, I think people would have said, great sale, good sale. You're living in cloud cuckoo land. Like, yeah. That money's never uh, coming in. Cloud cuckoo land. And, and I was... Maguire! <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking about this, really. I mean, what's, what's the difference between this? 10 million pounds, 8 million pounds from the perception of being poor to great? But... One, one of the biggest things I think with these players is we're, we're selling pe- players that nobody wants, you know, and, and, we're, and we're in the last phase of that, but it's still there. So uh, there's no market for them. For sure. Uh, after the break, we'll be answering your questions. Speaking about David Raya versus Aaron Ramsdale and so, so much more, including staring at Bradley's beautiful chest hair. We'll see you. It's 32 fucking degrees. Guys on YouTube, you can live with it after this. Welcome back. And thank you to those of you who are in the Different Knock Members Club. If you'd like ad-free versions of the show, as well as the Patreon exclusive. That's right, exclusive instant reaction podcast. You become a TDK member at Patreon. No, at patreon.com forward slash you can get access to the exclusive Discord server. The Tactics Corner. What are you going to do the Tactics Corner on this week, George? Pending. Pending. (laughs) I've thought about it. The rewatch and bonus video content all for just £3 a month or there's a seven-day free trial. All video content is available through YouTube as well. And for one-time support, head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash if not what you can. Buy me a coffee. (laughs) The links are in the show description. Um, This is on the the Twitter account of at AM on football. So if you want to go have a look at his brilliant Twitter account, you can go look at that. Um... But I'll pull it up for you, boys. This is... Uh, not that. Get your mind up the gutter. Um, this is a very, I would argue, concerning stat. Which Premier League goalkeepers are overperforming expected goals? Now, of course, of course, small sample size. I know. <laughs> Hopefully that's, we don't need to repeat that. I know that. Everything we said is with this. And Ramsdale is performing at minus 1.8 below his post-shot expected goals, minus goals allowed per 90. If you're unfamiliar, I I think it's fairly common now, but if if you are unfamiliar, it's essentially the idea of where a shot is taken from and 
after the, so that's your XG, but after a shot has been taken, sometimes it takes a deflection or it takes a, uh, it's an unbelievable shot. So it's more fair to judge a goalkeeper after a shot. So whether they should have saved it. So post shot expected goals minus the amount of goals they actually allowed per 90. Ramsdale is performing currently at the worst in the league. Now there was some rumors yesterday that came out from uh, I think it was Sammy Mockbull in the Daily Mail that Arsenal um, and who Mikel is Arteta, I will say com- incredibly unreliable had got literally nearly everything wrong this transfer window. By the way, I I actually going to disagree with you that I think I think the stuff I've seen from him I could be wrong I just, and I'd need to see his record but the stuff I see from him tends to be pretty bang on. The his Arsenal stuff this summer was quite off the base. Okay. Um. Uh, but yeah, he's there are rumours certainly that uh, Arteta is considering uh, bringing David Ryer in. Thoughts on that data first and foremost, and perhaps some uh, some caveats to that, George. And secondly, your thoughts on possibly David Ryer coming in, um, given that apparently he's been cleared to play against Brentford as well. So um, when when I look at that data, look I, again, I was I do think that it's a good metric with a larger sample size. I don't think it tells the whole story. I think when you have a look at uh, goalkeeping in general. One thing that isn't borne out in a lot of statistics is um, some of the perspectives that the goalkeeper is seeing. So a lot of times when you're seeing these shots, it has nothing to do with a the perspective that they're seeing, they're seeing at the the angles that you're operating in. And and a lot of times, for example, you go on goalkeeping podcasts and you talk with John Harrison, you talk with um, you know some of the other goalkeepers like Ben Foster, who bears out what's an easy save and what's not an easy save. And a lot of times there's a lot of misconceptions about that aspect. I think that when you look at goalkeeping and you look at deflected shots and whatnot, the one thing that I will ask of Aaron Ramsdale is, do you feel like any of the shots that he's conceded are his fault? And one of the big ones that I looked at was potentially Fulham. That's the one shot that I think everybody would say, is there a question mark with Aaron Ramsdale's ability to save that shot? And you know, when I look at it, I, I again think it's an error from Pereira. When when I look at it, he's shaped to go far post. Aaron Ramsdale adjusts to do that, and he mishits it, and it goes near post. So for me, that's not really, while the shot location, that would be one where he's conceded that goes into the underperformance stat, for example. And by the way, if I, if I was to look into the numbers, that would be a large portion of the 1.8 that he's conceded, because you shouldn't be conceding from that far out and it's a very low percentage XG. And the fact that he conceded it would have really impacted these numbers. So, um, for example, when I look at that, and that's making up a large portion, that's part of the sample size argument. That's part of the issue with it. But fundamentally, if I was to see this projected into a 20, 25 game sample, I would probably worry a little bit more about Aaron Ramsdale. But right now, I don't agree that that's a reflection of him being the worst shot stopping keeper in the league. And I think that when when you kind of project that data out, then these are going to look very, very different very soon. One thing that, you know, you can look at, though, is if you look at underperformance in general, I think that Ederson and Ramsdale underperform generally, right? But if you look at people like David Raya, who has overperformed his expected shot XG, that's even borne out in statistics of last season. And traditionally dominant teams have goalkeepers that have underperformed their post-shot XG. Now, 
one thing that you can draw from that conclusion is probably because of the accumulation of shots. It's a sample size argument. When you look at it, they're not facing as many shots, so they might concede goals that, of course, on a spectrum, they might be expected to save. But if you're competing with one goalkeeper... I've got the stats on that. For example, Fodderingham, whose top has faced 27 shots, Leno has faced 33, Ramsdale's faced 10. Exactly. It's a big difference. And, And... so there's like a bit, there's a bigger opportunity to build up those numbers. Yes, ab- absolutely. And, but that's the issue when you're comparing absolute and relative numbers, like with statistics, like that, that is a big issue and people not understanding the the comparative value between the two. So um, not to get too technical about that, but I think I would worry more about Aaron Ramsdale with what he's doing on the ball than I would with the shot stopping uh, perspectives. I, th- I think it's important to put the, con- the numbers in context. And to be clear, I'm in no way suggesting that like, oh, look at these numbers, let's drop him. Like, you know, that that's not in any way a problem. I just look back at the the data we had last season over a 38 game, game league period and Ramsdale was still not massively great on the post-shot XG. And that's a one part of a goalkeeper's game. It's not, again, not to put that in context and say that's the one thing we should worry about because there are other things. But then I look at, the two other aspects i look at the what you're talking about in terms of his distribution i don't think he's adding much value with that at the moment it's not to say he's detracting but i don't know whether you know when you have someone like anana who can i, I don't know what the numbers are but i'm sure he's adding in terms of attack value added crazy levels and i can probably try, try and find that number but that's what's onana my- what's onana here because i do have a question to that because i hear that a lot but what is onana facing in terms of a first press what is onana facing in terms of a build-up versus what Aaron Ramsdale is facing as part of a buildup. I've got a lot of criticism on my timeline for Aaron Ramsdale reducing in technical ability, which I think is weird. But I've also got a lot of questions about his type of distribution, long versus short, and what we're facing. So for example, are we having that same press that we faced last season? I don't think we've been pressed like that since May was the last time. No, I because saw people it. are... Your your positive, Alex, is that people are showing us respect. They're not pressing us yeah. in the same way because they know that we yeah. can play around and, and, them. And a big, big thing about it, in t- just to make a point, in terms of like what we're saying about Kai Havertz and, and the problems with the system, it's really, it, I think it's difficult to say to one player that they need to be doing the same things that they were last season in a completely different system that isn't functioning as well as as maybe it could be because people don't quite know where they're supposed to be yet than in the system that we played for 38 games that we would pretty much played the season before as well with only minor tweaks and changes. And I do find it no surprise. This is a statistic that massively, massively favours smaller teams because they face more traffic. And that's why you always see weird shit like, oh, Sam Johnson should get an England call up because he's got great post-shot expected goals. Yes, it's because his goal gets peppered because he plays for Crystal Palace. The top three goalkeepers on that list have faced three times the traffic that Ramsdale has. I I don't think that this is a statistic that that, that bears out in the same way because you look at Edison as well famously underperforms it because he's only ever asked to make a save or two a game. And occasionally it just doesn't come off because these teams that are, that are so attacking tend to face, especially with, with Liverpool and especially with City higher value opportunities against, because it will be one moment, a perfect breakaway with a perfectly placed shot. As I, as I said, I'm in no way saying 
look at that data, let's drop Ramsdale. What I am saying is over a larger sample, we've also seen that Ramsdale is not great on his post-shot XG. And then I go, okay, that's one part of a goalkeeping goalkeeper's job. Then I look at other goalkeepers who, for example, I have the data here with Andrea Nana, and I say Andrea Nana's added more attack value added to Manchester United in that game against Arsenal than Lissandro Martinez, than Victor Lindelof, than Anthony, than Juan Bissaka, than Fernandes, than Martial. Now, the response to that is he's got a different role. Absolutely. That's another part of the, pic- the picture. But these are all parts of the picture, is what I'm trying to say, is that you, you look at someone's distribution, you look at their attack value, you look what, at their What was Aaron XG, Ramsdale's their, like, attacking... Hang on one second. You look at their you look at their positioning. You look at their how, what they transmit to their back five. You look at all sorts of things, and then I think you can create a fairly cogent argument, especially when you have someone on the bench who hasn't been tried, that there is a a decent argument to say that that certainly Raj should be given a go to see what else he can add. I, I'm in no way trying to. This is not. A, 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 this could be wrong. I'm sensing sensitivity around the idea of dropping Ramsdale from a lot of people, not just you guys. And I just think there is a decent. There's a decent argument to be made. And to be clear, if I was making the decision, I'm not sure. I probably would go with Raya, but it's a close one in terms of just giving him a go. I just think that things like this, when they're put into proper context, which they should be, are interesting bits of data that that shouldn't be ignored. Yes, I would say that there's a lot of shiny new toy syndrome about Raya, though. Possibly, yeah. His His post-shot XG last season is exceptional. I'd love, and I'll do it for, for the next podcast, I'll go up and I'll add the amount of shots he faced versus. Yeah, and that, again, that's part of the picture. But I don't think, I don't think that one thing goes makes the whole, you know, the whole argument for changing the keeper different. If that makes sense, I think it's. Would part you, of the if you were City, would you drop Edison? Probably not. But if, if for example, I was looking at Edison and I was going, uh, I feel like he's lost focus, and I feel like he's uh, not communicating with his back five, and I feel like his numbers are dropped, and I feel like we have a better keeper, and 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 if if I was making a cogent case. Possibly, but but again, I don't think. I think I'm I'm trying to move away from isolating one singular thing and moving towards a, a wider conversation around what a goalkeeper offers, and and then trying to make the case of what what does Ramsdale offer. And it's not to say that's not to say nothing, by the way. I, George, I think there's a bit of confirmation bias, and I do agree with Brad about shiny new toy syndrome, where. The sensitivity comes from the fact that I don't think he's deserved to be dropped. Now, that doesn't mean that Rhea doesn't deserve a chance. I think that Rhea is going to get chances. We've got eight games coming up in the next Carabao two Cup. weeks. Yeah, of PSV, Lens, Carabao Cup that need a keeper that we're going to see Ramsdale. So it's not a case of us not, or sorry, Rhea. Like, we're not going to not see Rhea. And I think the one issue that I've got is a lot of the arguments that get brought up about Aaron Ramsdale completely remove the different scenarios that we're facing in build-up from last season to this season. And for example, when you bring up Andre Onana, not to push back, but have a look at that team's build-up quality and look at the attacking added value that Ramsdale provided in 2021. You're going to see a very similar jump from Leno to Ramsdale in the first year and then a drop-off. Now, I would be willing to bet a lot of money that if Manchester United were to get a midfield that was capable of building up, Andre Onana's attacking value would drop dramatically. And by the way, you want that. You don't want your goalkeeper adding so much tremendous value in your attack. That actually means that you're unable to progress up the pitch. That actually results in a problem in the team. I'm glad that Aaron Ramsdale is doing less touches. And by the way, it's also born out of the statistics. Like, have a look. I think on, on average, Aaron Ramsdale was involved in something like 30 touches last season. 
whereas this season, on average, it's only 10. So not only is he facing less shots, but he's receiving less of the build-up responsibility. That's by design. We want William Saliba to be involved on those because he's not just better in distribution, but he's better in carrying. He's better in getting us up the pitch. So for me, we want to operate in the middle third a lot more than we do in the first third. Now, I hear the concerns, and it's not as though that they carry no argument. That That's also not what I think uh, other people are saying. But one thing is, I would like to see what Raya can can offer, but I don't think then that means Ramsdale is dropped. And we had this conversation when I think Raya was first entered. We didn't buy this goalkeeper to sit on the bench. So I think people were under no illusion that he was going to play. The one thing that I'm not too sure of is saying that a player gets dropped when certain players should be performing for certain games. For example, when Brighton and Man City come along, I'm the first one that's going to be yelling, I hope Raya starts, not Ramsdale. It's not because I don't think that Ramsdale is good. It's because I think he suited that game. And I'm not sure that I'm seeing enough in Ramsdale's game right now. And I don't think looking at some of the statistics, because I don't think the context is there, is justifications for dropping him, for example. I think that's a little bit far. But I could see the point. I would like to see what Raya has to offer. And if he's better, he should start. Of which I think everybody agrees. I think maybe that's our only point of difference in that I don't, I I think taking stats out of context and trying to make an argument based on that one thing, I agree with you. I think it's it's kind of pointless. And I also think the idea of dropping is an interesting word because that's not, the, I would choose to select Raya for certain games and I would choose to select Ramsdale for certain games. I think the problem is also with the goal, we're discussing the goalkeeping position, which feels like it should have a number. For example, if you, if you had uh, on our left on our left side, we had uh, Martinelli. Uh, 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 Nelson came in for Martinelli against Brentford. You're not going to say Martinelli dropped, really, are you? And I I think if, but for example, like in the Champions League game, for example, if you did that, you could argue, okay, was Martinelli been dropped? Well, no, Nelson's been selected. I think with the keeper, it is different, especially when a keeper gets selected, it feels like it's been dropped, and I think that's part of the part of the discussion. But yeah, I just I think broadly I'd, I'd i would also be in with you in terms of caution against taking one stat and, and removing its context but i would also say when you have i can think of five or six different reasons why i'd be interested in seeing raya in this setup in the premier league i don't think it's i, I understand those people who are who are interested in that and probably broadly i would say if we see raya he comes in and has a has a has a good impact let's say into Champions league games some carabao cup games I would be up for seeing him in the league. I think I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm for it, personally. Would you have him for Goodison? Probably not, because because I, I wonder whether that's the game for him. Because you know Arsenal are probably going to have a lot of possession. Um, again, what you said about in terms of like distribution, we don't necessarily need a goalkeeper in that situation. In another game when we're being pressed high, Everton aren't going to. Everton aren't going to press yeah. us. If like... in, in another game where we are being pressed high, I wonder whether Raya would be interesting. But I just I just think it's, yeah, it, it, I wonder whether it comes down to different games for different suitabilities. Uh, sorry, uh, different um, uh, sort of... Skill sets. Different qualifications for different games, for different different skill sets, different strokes of different folks. I think that's the thing. That's the key. And I I think there is a reticence to do that, which is maybe what I'm... I think can be swayed a different way but yeah uh, and we had to get questions i agree with you. Uh, it's it, it's yeah 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 you know 
uh, it, it would be very groundbreaking to do that. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was an idea to kind of go with one for one, one for the other and, and such. Uh, my question is, which was your favourite meltdown last season after beating Spurs 3-1 or uh, and the Conte meltdown or the Ten Hag meltdown from... from, from it's got to be the Conte season. one because the Ten, the Ten Hag one was just about VAR, <laughs> but like the Conte one was like literally destroying Spurs. It was like, <laughs> oh, it was beautiful. It was like 20 years, they win nothing. It's beautiful. <laughs> A serious question now from at Makumi. Did Dallo being right footed at fullback contain Saka or was it something wrong with the left sided unit? George, what do you think? Um, a little bit of both. I thought Dallo had a brilliant game against Saka individually. Um, and I think if I was a United fan, I'd be very proud of that performance. I don't think it's because he's right-footed. It allowed for a more easier tackling technique of him being left foot. Like, I don't think that's the case. I think Saka's burnt plenty of people that are right-footed, Brandon Williams, namely. Um, so it, it is about the quality of that player. Who? Uh, Who, sorry? <laughs> yeah. He's, the, he's, I, better, I he's better than Saka. I don't think I'm familiar. <laughs> yeah, he is, he is, clearly. Um, I, I do think that we have a problem balancing our I've made reference it was my point of growth um you know at the beginning of the pod and I think that we still have yet to really see Saka be involved inside in fact Saka got really angry in the game and he's shifted to the left when Gabby Jesus came on I don't know if anybody picked that up it wasn't just for a small period I think there was a 10 to 15 minute period in the game where he shifted to the words left hand side and I think that's because he wasn't seeing the ball um so I, I do think we've got a problem about getting our wingers closer to goal and I don't think that the balance is there so we've got to address that. I also don't think Martin Odegaard had a great game, generally. He scored a good goal, but all in all, I think that he struggled in the in those pockets. So um, Saka wasn't really as involved as he could be. Brad, who was that question from? Makumi. Oh, yeah, sorry. You did say. Uh, question from... Where are we? Oh, yes, this was it. Uh, JM Ferros on the Discord. He says, boring VAR guff, but is it time to limit VAR to purely objective, non-human decisions? What do you mean? Like offsides, I'd imagine, ball in and out from... Uh, Basically you know, the, the automating goal. it as much as possible, I think. Yeah. Is what Listen, I think aut automation's great uh, and will work for things like offsides, goal line tech, but there, there will always be a certain amount of of subjectivity nuance to these to, like the Kai Havertz penalty incident I don't know what your guys opinions is kind of are on it I don't I, I'm I don't know if it's a penalty I don't think I'm very is, no. much kind of siding on that side of it I think that there is contact and they obviously close off the leg space um and it's it's obviously I I, I think he feels the the contact knows that the space is now gone and, and goes down. I don't think it's a dive either. I had a conversation with a friend about this, that, that there is contact and there's there's enough of a situation for that to be what happens. But I, I think it's soft. This is a contact sport in which you cannot be giving penalties for light touches, even if it comes in, in certain scenarios. So I don't think it was a penalty. I think VAR made the right decision. I think the question kind of leads again to the same conversation of we wouldn't be having conversations about VAR if the people in control of it could do their jobs. 
That's the problem. It's nothing. To, VAR is an inanimate object. It is literally screens and cameras. And if there was a way to fully automate it, that would be brilliant. But there is unfortunately always going to be an amount of nuance to every single one of these penalty situations, to every single one of these, you know, should they have disallowed the goal, Man City's goal because of the, you know, interfering with play and, and you know, the Rashford goal against Man City from last season. There's always going to be things around it that require a human to look at and look at all of the circumstance and go, this is what I believe is the correct decision. Do you agree other human on the pitch? We just need the humans around that technology to be better at their jobs. That's the problem. I think that's part of it, 100%. I, I, to, to be honest, I've, and I'll be brief because I've bored people with this before, but just the, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, it just needs to be taken out of human hands as much as possible. Just how many, ca- you know, hundreds and hundreds of cameras and thousands and millions of eyeballs on the game. It just needs to be a case of objective. Te- like on FIFA, you don't get annoyed on FIFA when you get an offside because it's an offside. The game mechanics know that it's an offside. It's not, it's not a question. It just is. And the more we can get to that place where we don't have to slow the game down, the better. And the more power take... The main problem is the idea of we're undermining the referees. That whole idea should be gone. We're not undermining the referees. We're giving them support. They should be the people who the decisions have passed through. And that's it, but I've talked about that so much. George, your question, please. Yes, so this comes from Trow Trove. Um, do you agree mm. with Tifo's analysis that Rice is part of the issue in central build-up? Uh, oh, we have. No, no, sorry, um, I thought I thought you picked that one. No, yeah. So it's um, they've also stated Arsenal are trying to build up down the wings more, which seems partially conflicting. So how do you reconcile if it's strategy or compensation? What do you guys think? Is Declan Rice part of the problem, or is this a response to teams blocking the center? I I have one point to make about this because I'm not smart to have the answer. How many games has Declan Rice played with what you would consider to be the first 11 and the structure that we would probably see and want to see for the season? 75 minutes in one game. I haven't seen the video. So he's Neither part of the issue. In se- what, have you seen it, George? I have seen it. Um, I don't agree with the conclusions. Uh, what did personally. they say? So essentially what they're saying is that we're not accessing the centre enough. And that Declan Rice is part of the problem because of his inability to really progress through the middle of the pitch. Um, as in through his passing or through... Yeah, as, as in through his passing. And that we're not accessing as much, whereas Thomas Partey, for example, last season offered us a level of vertical um, ability through the middle of the pitch a little bit more. Um, uh, I think if that's part of a wider analysis, it's maybe a factor. I think making it... Are they saying that's the factor? Part the well, they, it's 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 their major reasoning. It wasn't the only okay. one, but it was their major reasoning. I think I think it's part, maybe a small part of it. I don't see that as, I don't see that as the main issue, personally. I think I think you've got to consider how teams are setting up against us. You've got to consider the fact we're not getting our wingers inside. You've got to consider the fact that connection between the centre backs and the eights is gone. There's there's lots of other things before I look at Declan Rice personally. Yeah, I, I, okay, not to plug, uh, you can go to the Tactus Corner, but we've talked a lot about this. Um, but, uh, no, do team, plug. Yeah. <laughs> Join the fucking Patreon. <laughs> well, teams have set up, this is absolutely compensation, I think, for it. But also, one thing that Declan Rice is doing that not a lot of people have picked up on that I tried to highlight 
on the tactics corner was this idea of third man runs from Declan Rice. People want us to pass through the middle of the park, but teams are adding numbers in the middle of the park. So there's a numerical superiority from the opposition, not from Arsenal. And so you're not going to destroy that with more passes into that area. You have to pull apart that block with runs and off the ball runs. And one thing that Declan Rice is doing that I kind of disagree with Tifo and the build up respectfully is that Declan Rice is doing a lot of third man off the ball runs in order to join the attack. And something that I think a lot of people would maybe highlight at Palace, like look at the way he runs off as a uh, runs off Ed Oates and uh, Edward. He, he ghosts into the pockets a lot more in this game because we're not using our pivot to pass through the center. We're using the pivot to make runs through the center of the pitch to open up space for our wingers to run into. So it's a difference in a little bit role, in my opinion. And that's born out of the fact that opposition have packed the middle a lot more for Arsenal. So we're not choosing to go wide and build up. It's more of yeah. a case of that's where the space is. So you're not going to go into the traffic area. I, 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 yeah, I would say like 95%. I, I, I think that's the problem. But I also do think, you know, if you're having a hundred touches and every single one is going wide, like at some point there is a, there is a passing choice question for me. And sometimes you, you can try, you know, risk a ball through the middle and try and break some lines, especially if someone's standing in a good position, which often Kai Havertz um, is. Um, we'll leave it there. Brad, we've just got time for a little bit of Arsenal trivia. So, last we've always time got out, time boys. for that, which is nice. We've always got time, darling. <laughs> I asked you that in 2015, Arsenal beat Manchester United 3-0 with three quick-fire goals. Can you name the first 11 that started that day? Alexis Sanchez. Um, Sanchez, Walcott and Ozil. Because they were, they were yep. the goal scorers. Correct, correct, correct. Excellent. Bellerin. Uh, Walcott did score. Bellerin is correct. Monreal. Monreal is correct. Koscielny. Um, eh, eh. You get three buzzers. You get three. I'm going to give you three okay. buzzers. Uh, George, in goal, I'm going to go pet a check. Yeah. Okay, good call. Good call. Um, is there a... I'll get two points on the board for a Santee. Yeah. Who is the pivot? Coughlin? No, yeah. I'm not saying. Yeah. Okay, I am saying that then. Yeah. <laughs> how many? How many have we got left? You have three to go. A defender and uh, two defenders and a midfielder. Two centre backs. Oh, Mur- Murder Sacker. Murder Sacker for sure. Yeah. Um, who was our other? Who was our other centre back? Would have been v- Vermalen. Must have gone by that point. I don't think so. Is Vermalen an answer? No. <laughs> uh, another midfielder is was Ra- Ramsey. Ramsey, Ramsey, Ramsey is probably in. Okay. Yeah, center, you just need a the center back, back that wasn't Koscielny. A center back, that a wasn't left Koscielny. center back, or Vermaelen. Oh, well, you we've know, got you... two. We've got two buzzers. So let's go Vermaelen. Okay. Yeah, I've got, I've got, a, I've got one, but I'm not confident because now you Do put it. it on me. Go on. Is it um the only other Brazilian Gabrielle that we had? Like the uh, oh the, yeah the crazy one, Paulista. That, yeah, Paulista. Is, is that your final? Yeah, answer I think it is. He's the only left center back. That is eleven. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Let's go. We don't have any injuries. What's going on? 
<laughs> Smashed it. I just assumed we'd have been Smashed decimated it. by injuries as always. Koscioni was the one that I think I was like, it had to be him. Without him. Yeah. Yeah. So your question for next week is, Arsenal recently had four players called up to the senior England men's team. In which year was the last time that that happened for Arsenal? I think I know that because I think I know the tweet you're referring to. Uh, <laughs> we'll see, baby. We'll see. We'll see. We shall see indeed. Uh, pleasure as always, boys. Pleasure's all Do you know what? darling. The, the riot Ramsdale discussion was maybe... Maybe I can title that as fiery debate or something. Fiery what can I say? Debate. Heated debate. What what's Sky Sports? Uh, arguments. What, what what did we use to title things when we me and you were just really depressed and we'd argue about it all the time? It's just just be like shouting at each other that I remember there was a, a United angry, had no angry Alex rant or angry. There was a United George game where me and Brad just <laughs> went at each other. Um <laughs> What should we call what does Sky Sky call it? Heated debate. Heated. <laughs> <laughs> thanks as always for listening or watching the different knock and ask the podcast we really appreciate you um brad's phone number is oh <laughs> text in if you have any text if you have any questions text in if you have any complaints about the chest there yeah and there will be don't you worry mate. <laughs> uh thanks as always for watching keep it different knock and we will see you later peace peace Thanks so much for listening to the Different Knock and Arsenal podcast. To get bonus podcasts and much more, you can sign up to be a TDK member at patreon.com forward slash divknock for just £3 a month. Check us out on YouTube and follow us on all social media at divknock. Thanks again for listening. Podcast Network.